and welcome back to the What the Fork Sunland preview show. Um, things haven't been well of late, to be completely honest, in Sunland world, and to make matters even worse, we lost to Cheltenham in the week for our third defeat in a row after they hadn't won in 12 games. And at the time of speaking, the club are yet to announce Lee Johnson's successor at the stadium light after well over a week. And while that may change, we might have a manager in by Saturday. Sunderland head a Wimbledon's plough lane looking to arrest an absolutely torrid run of form, which has left everyone, for want of a better word, very sad. But thankfully, um, in the interim, here to cheer you up and get the lowdown on Don's season so far with a lovely returning guest, Lee from the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. How are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm well. I'm, I'm quite good. But yeah, I'm a bit like yourself so at the moment. Football is uh, is quite depressing. Uh yeah, and I, I just want the season to be over and we finish where we are now, to be fair. I think it's like, it's funny if people could have listened to the the stuff we didn't record beforehand, it would have not been good therapy, would it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's anything but football, really, we were trying to talk about. It's, it's, it's yeah, football. Yeah, I'd rather be in your position, though, at the moment. I know you're you're getting smashed like, by Bolton and stuff like that and you, you are losing games, but I'd rather be, what, where are you fourth in the league? Two points off. Or something, something like that. Yeah. yeah, we're fourth, fifth, and bottom, and a point off relegation, and we can't buy a win, a goal. Yeah, we're pretty poor at the moment. I mean, <laughs> you were saying there, like, when way in the league, and you can tell how apathetic I am by the entire thing. Like, no clue, no, somewhere fourth or something, far, very, very far away from Rotherham. I'll tell you that. Um, it's funny because I was listening to the, the preview podcast before the show and I was like full of vigour and really happy and so you, you know, things have changed at Sunderland as Sunderland fans will know and to be fair, as it appears, so is the mood at Wimbledon since we last spoke but before we totally dig right into it, we are speaking in the aftermath of our defeat at Cheltenham and, and your narrow defeat to Rotherham. Um, how do you assess the game? Well, you say narrow defeat, we had one shot on target the whole game which was the first half. They had 20 shots uh, they had three on target. Uh, Rotherham, but as I said this before, I think Rotherham are the best team in the league, uh, and they'll go up automatic quite easy. I think they, they just it was men versus boys for us today, uh, and that's been a lot of our games this season. But yeah, we didn't didn't even lay a glove on them. We didn't. There's not one moment of the game where I thought, oh, we we had a chance here. I don't. The keeper could have bought a, a lounger out, and he could have just laid back and watched the Brits, uh, and he yeah. He, he would have had a great, he would have had a better night to be fair. It was, yeah, it's getting embarrassing for us at the moment. So, I mean, it, it was a really promising start from Buckman. And I thought, you know, at the time you said, you know, playing quite well, putting good football together. And you came to the stadium and I thought, to be fair, on another day, you could, you could have quite easily nicked the point. Um, I think we slightly edged it, maybe. We were playing really well at that point as well, though. And, you know, things were quite rosy for, for Wimbledon and obviously for us. But when I went to February, and I think I'm putting this politely, you might put it a different way, but it hasn't gone to plan, uh, quote unquote. Where did the season start to go wrong for Wimbledon after such a real positive start? Christmas, really. It was mad because we went up to Accrington and we beat Accrington. Uh, and then we got a point somewhere else. I can't remember where now, because as I said, I try and, try and forget about football quite a lot. It's only, you never do. Saturday, Tuesday, you, you'll, you'll be back. But yeah, I think it, when we lost to Bournemouth in the FA Cup, and we had 18 days off over Christmas when the COVID stuff started going on and teams were pulling out because they've got a COVID case and stuff like that. We had 18 game, days without a game. Uh, and when we come back from Christmas, we had Oxford, who, again, one of the better teams in the league, absolutely destroyed us. And I think from there, we haven't been able to get back in a run. 
We haven't been able to get our form back up. And we're a very young side, probably one of the youngest in the league. And, and a lot of the games, it is men versus boys, unfortunately. And when we come up to the stadium, like, we we had no fear. There was we, we, we weren't scared of losing because we had points on the board. We're now, our managers become quite stubborn, which the formations that he's playing, he's only really playing one formation. He changed it around against Rotherham, but that's more just to defend against them and make sure that we didn't get smashed. Uh, and I think we're struggling. We had a few injury problems, not playing regularly, which you do over Christmas. You want games because you lose. You've got another game coming up straight away. And we haven't really had that. We we can't get any momentum going, which with a young squad, you need really. If they, and there are a few players are out of form, which don't help us. It's funny you mentioned the um, the Boreham Wood game. I think it was the F- was that the FA Cup. It was, wasn't it? Yes, it will have been, of course. Um, and obviously no one likes getting knocked out from a team in non-league. Um, as it was you were sometimes you kick on and you kind of just get on with it but then other times it leaves a not a bad taste in the mouth but it kind of it signifies kind of the warning signs you might have seen previously we actually kind of went on a bad run of form after we played the games despite the COVID cases which is weird I think we conceded the last 98th minute equaliser against Wickham and things haven't really gone well since then but um did the boring wood? Could you see the boring wood result coming, or was it kind of a bolt from the blue, or was that the result coming? And that's when people started going, "Ah, oh, my worries from week two weeks ago are now coming to fruition." I didn't see it coming because obviously against Oxford, you get beat by Oxford. You can take that on the chin because yeah. they said they're, they're they're not a bad side. So uh, yeah, they played us off the park, and then you think boring wood non-league. I, I didn't know too much about Wormwood, but they've got one of the best defensive records in in the country at the moment, even though they are non-league. They just beat Bournemouth quite convincingly the other day as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't, see, I didn't see it come. I still fancied us to go there. We had a, a strong team out. And I think that kind of, we got told by our manager that it really hurt the players. You could see how hurt they were that we lost. But then we go on to play Morecambe, Shrewsbury and Cheltenham, all three teams around us that you think, oh, we'll pick up points against or we need to win games against. And I think it was against Morecambe. I don't think we had a shot on target. We didn't lose Oli Palmer, um, our main talisman up front, a big, big striker who, who, who I didn't really mind losing, to be fair. I didn't think he was that great. But you, you need someone like him. And then we're playing, again, another kid from loan from uh, Fulham, uh, Terrier Blade, who's hardly played. Cosgrave, we got in, uh, we had on loan, sorry, we sent out on loan and we've, we called him. And he got put straight in for, to men's football for the first time. And then we're drawing against the teams around us when you need to be winning games. And we've now got the toughest run that we could have, which is yourselves, uh, Rotherham and Charlton. And, and yeah, we need to pick up points. And unfortunately, we haven't picked up points against Charlton and Rotherham. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to take three points off you boys. Yeah, you probably could to be fair, mate. We'll give them out like it's like anything at the minute. Um well, I did say I did say to the to my mates after the game, I said the only good thing that we have got is that we have got Sunderland coming up. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not meant to be in a rude way or anything disrespectful, but the form that you're on at the moment, you're conceding goals left, right, and centre. Uh we concede left left, right, and centre as well. So it should be a game of uh I can see it being quite a good good game of football and some goals being scored. I mean, something just totally not right with something at the minute. And I think, I don't think anyone listening to this would feel in any way offended. I think if you're looking at the, the table at the minute and you're looking at the, well, the form table, sorry, something not like the team that you, if you need to win, you, you want to come up against because mentality wise, we, 
the fans listening to this will know how weak we are. And bear in mind, if I do sound a little bit angry and you're listening to this on, say, Thursday or Friday and Roy Keane's just been appointed, I am doing this directly in the aftermath of the Cheltenham game. Um, in terms of Wimbledon themselves, I found it quite interesting. You touched there, said you, you concede quite a few goals. A few weeks ago, go back to the, the Boreham Wood game. Uh, you've got zero there, got beat 2-0, got beat off the franchise 1-0. Uh, drew against Morgan, drew against Portsmouth, then didn't score against Ipswich. So you had a few games where you didn't actually score goals. But then against Cheltenham, you got two. Against Charlton, you got two. Yes, you didn't score tonight, but rather more a good side, to be fair. Um, have you found a goal-scoring touch, if maybe not the winning touch recently, or were they just games in isolation? I think they're just games in isolation, really. we I always said that I'd worry about where the goals were going to come from. And the start of the season, we were scoring goals from all over the park. Last year, we had Piggott who would score 25 goals. We didn't have that this year, so we needed to, to share the goals around, which we were doing. Uh, but we were quite defensive. We were very good. Uh, at the moment now, we look like we're going to concede at least one, two goals a game. Uh, against Charlton, we gave them three goals. Uh, and yeah, against against Cheltenham again, we're just giving goals away. Uh, and I said, if Sunderland, what you said about us coming like playing Sunderland, and we think, oh yeah, three points. Sunderland are probably going to be thinking the same because Wimbledon are giving points away for fun at the moment. So it's probably a good game for you boys to play because there's a big chance that you'll score goals and and, and yeah, you'll get three points against us. So that's why it's quite an intriguing game from, in my eyes. Is that I think if we go for it and you go for it, it could be a really good game. Funny, I've got no confidence in us doing it for some reason at the minute. I kind of feel like Sunday season is like me on the treadmill this morning. I don't know if anyone's seen my, my tweet this morning, but I was on the treadmill. I've, I, I do the treadmill quite a bit. Enjoy the gym. Did my sprint this morning after about three minutes of treadmill give way and I shot off the treadmill and I'm all bruised down one side of my body. And that's a little bit like Sunday season. It's kind of like I was going quite well to begin with, started speeding up and then just fell directly on my arse and I completely bruised myself. Um, right, ready in time for my holiday away. But um, less of me falling off the treadmill. Um, Mark Robinson seemed like the kind of appointment that made sense. He'd been in and around the club for quite a while. I think we spoke about it a little bit. I'd spoke to Ivor Heller beforehand, who's obviously the director at Wimbledon, for those who don't know, um, and one of the founders of AFC Wimbledon as well. But it's his first full campaign at the club. Obviously, we don't know if he'll make the end of it. That's debatable when you're under relegation zone. You never know. Um, at the time, it made a lot of sense. He made progress. He had some nice new ideas, I think, at the start of the season. But obviously the mood changes when you're fifth bottom and you, you, you're you struggling for form, especially when you've had a positive start. What What's the mood around Wimbledon fans at the moment about him specifically and his backroom team? It's uh, I'd say it's 50-50 at the moment. We had a, we done our podcast last week called Civil War because we think there could be a, a fan civil war, one regarding what the club's doing and the amount of debt that we have at the moment as well. The budget, but, but also our management team as well. Like I, I, I got a load of respect for Mark Robinson, love him as a person, but as a manager, he's kind of going backwards from what when I spoke to you previously. When I spoke to you, he's a very good salesman. He's a very good salesperson, uh, and some of the ideas that he had at the start of the season, he's kind of gone away from that now. He's become very stubborn, and it reminds us of previous managers who have got sacked. We're on our worst winless run under any manager. And a lot of people are still happy that he's in charge and he'll take us forward, where I know there's a lot of fans who are actually getting very frustrated now. And getting, the, the, the problem we have is, and, and you'll have the same, is if the football's not very good, 
there's not much else. I don't, I'm not bothered about the stuff that's going on behind the scenes and stuff. The, the forefront is that you actually go there and watch good football and get entertained. And, and it's not very good. As I said, we're not having shots on target and you're going to the games and not having a shot. You're not lifting people off their seats. Uh, and one of the mad things that we've got is they don't call substitutes. We we call them finishers because they finish the game and they come. And it's just nonsense like that what people bought into at the start of the season. And now it's kind of, wait, wait a minute, they're subs. Like, why are we calling them finished? Like, why are we trying to reinvent the game of football? Do you know what I mean? We're not, you're not Pep Guardiola. You're, you're a youth team manager that has now been given an opportunity. Stop worrying about what everyone else thinks. Stop worrying. Like, if you're going to call them finishers in the background, then fine. But don't start trying to force it onto the fans as well. Even our club are doing it now. They they put, you'll see our lineup come up on Saturday and it'll have the starting lineup and it'll say finishers instead of substitutes. It's just nonsense like that that's really frustrating people. Funny, it's like <laughs> if we recorded this a few weeks ago, I could have mentioned a few Lee Johnsonisms and his pitch personalities. And obviously, he's gone now, so wasted breath. But I, look, it's just my opinion. And obviously, I think you'll probably agree with me on this. But I think it does sometimes alienate fans a little bit, coach speak, because we're not coaches. Where, um, as Charlie Meffin so nicely told me on Netflix, Microman in the pub analysis um, is what we are. And fucking proud of it, Charlie, if you're listening. Um, but when it comes to the coach speak, we don't really need to know that. I heard Man United's women manager the other week talking about zone four. No one had a clue what he was talking about other than some people that coach, but yeah, it's madness. And when you're losing games, I know it's because it's a result-based business. You can see what you want when you're winning games, almost in essence. But when when you're losing games, you you want an answer to things, don't you? Has he he deviated from that language whatsoever? Has he kind of doubled down on it? Oh, he'll never deviate from it. He believes in his massive word is processes. So he he has big processes, and he's and he's doing loads of stuff in the background, and all the work he's doing in the background, and and the, the culture of the club is brilliant. But the football is not very good, and we're not playing very good football at the moment, and that's what people are wanting to pay and go see. It's an entertainment business as well, and we're not being entertained. And I know it's hard because league league one's a very tough division. There's some big big teams in there. But when you're watching teams like Cheltenham and stuff like that, and I don't know how you play, I didn't obviously. I watched the Wimbledon Rotherham game. Badly. <laughs> and you're watching them and thinking they're not even that good. These teams. And no. do you know what I mean? We played Portsmouth the other week in Ipswich, and I thought we they're not they're not they're not that good. They're playing fortunes Ipswich and stuff like that. But you think they're not a great side. So yeah, it just frustrates me. Everyone just wants to see their team give hundred percent, and when they're not. And and our management team come out and say, oh, at least the lads are trying and stuff. It's like, well, we ain't had a shot on goal, not even a shot on target. It's like, it just gets embarrassing in the end. And I think that's what's frustrating a lot of fans. I'm seeing some, it's the first times under Mark Robinson that I'm actually seeing people just say that enough that he's a youth coach. I don't want him in charge anymore. But who do you get in? So that's the difference with Wimbledon. Joe's next question, isn't it? It's funny. It's like. At Sunderland, I think people notoriously look at us and we sometimes get thrown now and you sack managers right, left and centre. I think it's no surprise to people listening to this. I was I was happy for Johnson to go. Um, I would have liked a replacement lined up before, um, you know, a fortnight, but nonetheless. Um, I think when it comes to with Sunderland, that, that yes, there is a long-term aim and you do want to see a long-term project and you can be, well, we've been very patient, um, but you can be patient if you see things are working. But ultimately, the short term aim is get the hell out of this division because 
if you don't get out of this division, any project they have is pointless. With Wimbledon, because obviously you were, should we say, in inverted commas here, a grassroots club, a club that was founded by the fans and built up by the fans, despite the fact that I think to everyone in football, original Wimbledon is AFC Wimbledon, Wimbledon or Wimbledon, I think to almost everyone collectively. But can you afford to be more patient with Wimbledon or is there a bit more patience because of the way the club was founded and things like that? Or is it the same as what you get at Sunderland? It's results-based and it goes week by week. No, we, we are quite patient. We, we get that we're a fans club. We get that we haven't got a backer or anyone like that. That's We're seeing some whispers and some louder voices now regarding maybe selling some more stake of the club and maybe seeing what we can do with getting people in to put money into the club instead of the fans keep backing it. I think at the moment we've raised £7 million just to pay for the stadium and that's fans alone, which is just madness. It's, it's huge. But we're not putting that back into the, the team on the pitch. Our budget is probably one of the lowest in the league and you can tell the difference between us and the Ipswiches and stuff. And that's what our manager did say recently is that when the January transfer window was on, you could tell that some players are getting six, seven grand a week and we can only really afford up to put it back to an half, three grand, which is still a good sum of money to play professional football. But when, you, when you're based in the, the heart of London, and it's one of the most expensive cities in the world. Uh, and you can go to Sunderland on, say, six grand a week and, and live in a mansion, or you can play uh, for Wimbledon and live in a, a one-bedroom flat. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, you, you'd probably still do all right and, and you're fine, but I know where, like, if I was a professional footballer, uh, and that's why a lot of Northern teams always do better with God's players going up there because they get more money. And, and and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but it's a cheaper it's a cheaper lifestyle than living in London. Yeah, uh, and, and if you look at the t- clubs that we come a- a- up against, we have Chelsea, Fulham, Palace, all on our doorstep. So yeah, it's it's a tough one. Clubs even at this level, I suppose, isn't there? There's like a a decent low level championship player that you could maybe coax into coming in. Might look at a, a Millwall or even a Charlton. You've got even clubs like that that like go yep. against. Is the with Wimbledon, because again, how you you were founded, or this version of Wimbledon, if you prefer, I hate saying that, but you know what I mean. Um, because of the way you were founded, is there almost a reluctance to have maybe not a big money backer, but to kind of change from being a fan-owned club into a owned by like a billionaire or a millionaire, or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? Like like money, basically a money man, as opposed to being the way you were, were bought. Or is it kind of airing towards that because you know you need to do that to press on? As I said, there's louder voices coming up now regarding to selling the club and stuff like that, but uh, fan ownership is still a massive part of Wimbledon. And I know there's literally the loudest voices are for fan-owned, but fan ownership can only get you so far. And I think it is now, we've probably reached our glass ceiling at the moment with League One, especially with a huge debt on our hands with the stadium. Once we can get that debt kind of lowered and we can start paying that back, we will see improvements. So I, this is why I think maybe if we could keep the same budget and if we got relegated, it wouldn't be a big deal. But I think if if we do go down, we're going to have to change our budget quite a bit, which would be disappointing. Uh, but yeah, I, League One, we've always struggled in League One, which doesn't help either if you're struggling year on year on year. Uh, but then you look at teams like Accrington and Cheltenham, Shrewsbury and things like that. They haven't got huge budgets, uh, but they, they seem to be doing all right. But yeah, I... I I don't, I, the problem is, it's trying to find people that are going to buy your club. We don't want to end up in a, a Sunderland situation where two people come in just to try and make a quick buck. Uh, 
and not be too bothered about it. And obviously with what happened previously when Wimbledon were destroyed uh, and moved, everyone's quite scared that that might happen again, especially with the land and Wimbledon being quite... Uh, I can't see it ever happening again because we have Plough Lane now. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm torn between the two, actually. Fan ownership can only take you so far. Quite an interesting one because obviously there'll be a lot of Wimbledon fans old enough to remember FA Cup winning Wimbledon. And I mean, I'm old enough to remember Premiership Wimbledon for a number of years and the Vinnie Joneses, the Leonardsons, and that's the kind of names that spring to my mind. So I suppose it's, um, I'm, I'm name dropping a team here, but Wickham, I think they've changed from fan ownership now, but they were fan ownership. They've, they've never been in the Premiership. The best they've had is the Championship. So they're their ceiling is like maybe getting into championship, whereas Wimbledon fans, if it wasn't for what happened to the club, would have been championship, premiership for however many years and maybe dropped into League One as a surprise when you're coming up from the other end, but still effectively the same fan base that watch Premier League football. Probably have to know that you have to get maybe a million or something like that in, but the reluctance to give away the fan ownership because of the history, I've always found that quite an interesting one. I don't know how I would handle it. I think I'd be the same. I'd be getting spelt to my ass, I think, for want of a better word. Um, <laughs> I was quite interested in the January window when names get flung about all over the shop. Now, I don't know if we were chasing them because rumours are just that, and I, 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 I just don't know. But we've touched a little on the negatives, but there seems to be a real positive on your, I think, your left wing in Jack Radoni, I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Heavily linked on, I think, the last day of the window at Sunderland alongside a few other clubs. Um, seven goals in 26 games from the wing. Few assists in there as well, young kid. How much of a talent is that lad? He, he's a big talent. He's uh, come on really well this season. I, I still don't think he's championship level player, uh, but I can see him going to a Charlton, to a Sunderland, someone like that. But I think I don't know. I, I I understand he's got summer left. I think his contract may run out in the summer. I don't know. Not one hundred percent sure. He could have eighteen months left. But if we lose him on a free, it's an absolute travesty to us because. We need to be getting these players, the Radonis, the Assals, the young players coming through our ranks and selling them for big money. That's what Wimbledon used to do. We used to pick players up from our youth team. We used to pick them up from the lower leagues and sell them for fortunes, Cole Corks, places like that. But Jack Radoni is a massive talent. And if he wants it, I think he could go all the way. But it's just he drifts in and out of games and he just doesn't have that edge. But is that because he's playing with not great players? If he had better players around him, He'd probably shine. I can see him maybe even going to like a QPR if they don't go up this season. But yeah, I'd like to have a million pound for him, but I can't, I don't know if he's got another year on his contract or another six months or if he's out of contract at the end of summer. But typical Wimbledon way, we always lose our best players. We lost Piggott for nothing. We lost Lyle Taylor for nothing. We'll probably lose Jack Redoni for nothing as well, which is an absolute travesty. Yeah, I imagine that's inc incredibly frustrating because. The alternative argument to what we were saying before is the likes of, I mean, you, you mentioned that written before, they sold Dion Charles, I think, for undervalue and still it was a, a decent amount, I think 500,000 and what can 500,000 do, not just for the debt, but what you, you know, what you can do. And I understand sometimes people look at uh, a son and as someone who spends a lot of money, but imagine spending it all wrong. Um, <laughs> <doing consistently laughs> do, and I've done for years. I thought we'd done all right this season, but less said about that, the better. But apart from obviously Rodoni, there's your top scorer at the moment is Ollie Palmer. He's obviously gone, I think, to Wrexham. He's gone to play football with Parkinson. Big burly lad that likes to play up front and receive the long ball. Doesn't surprise me that he went to play for Philip Parkinson at Wrexham, I've got to be honest. But which other players should we be looking out for? Which ones, you know, despite the fact you're in bad form, could potentially cause us problems? 
Well, that, that's the best bit of business I think we've ever done, really. 300 grand for Oli Palmer, injured most of the season. Uh, his contract, he only had 18 months left, wanted a, a new contract, which I wouldn't have given him uh, to get 300 grand for him. Uh, we've we've put it back in with guys. We've got, uh, you probably know, Sam Cosgrove was at Aberdeen. Yeah. Uh, thought he, I thought he was brilliant when I seen him play for Aberdeen. I thought he was a real menace. Really highly Hasn't rated worked. when he was at Aberdeen, wasn't he? Two million we went, across Birmingham. Yeah, I was just about to say he went to Birmingham for two million. It hasn't worked out for him at Birmingham. Uh, championship's a tough level. He went on loan to Shrewsbury. Again, it hasn't worked out from there where they've had two players who were scoring goals for fun uh, and he couldn't get in the team. So he's at us now and he's he's looking like the Aberdeen Cosgrove. Uh, and that's the Cosgrove that we need because if we get the one that's been at Shrewsbury in Birmingham, we'll get relegated 100%. So Sam Cosgrove's one I'd be looking out for. Ayo Basal is just a little live wire. I go on about him all the time. He's come for our youth ranks and he's just brilliant. He'll be in your faces. He'll love it. And uh, hopefully he can nick a goal. Uh, other than that, oh, George Marsh, midfielder called George Marsh. He hasn't played much this season. Uh, Woodyard, our captain, got injured. Hartigan was injured as well, so he had to come in. And he's been absolutely brilliant for us. He's all over the park. Uh, he could pop up with a goal. He's had a few shots, but not scored yet. But he's hit the post cup times. When we've, when we've managed to have a shot. But yeah, they're the three I'd be looking out for. Marge, Marge, sorry, Asal and Cosgrove. Cosgrove is a worry if, for some fans who might not have been aware of his time at Aberdeen. He was obviously rated at 2 million. I think he was linked to a lot of championship clubs. He completely flopped. But if he's got any kind of level of Aberdeen-ish level, should I say, as he has at Wimbledon, as a genuine concern, especially when we're shipping goals. So I kind of forgot he'd actually gone there, to be honest with you. So I'm pleased you. Oh, I'm not pleased you reminded me actually come to think of it. But as I said, we are we are looking like we're getting the Aberdeen Cosgrove because I think he realizes this might be his last chance saloon. Uh he's gone on a shoes where it hasn't worked. So if it doesn't mm-hmm. work at Wimbledon, it's where's he gonna go? Is he gonna go back up to Scotland and end up at like a St. Mirren or somewhere like that where or Rafe or something like that? He ain't gonna yeah, he needs to he needs to and he does look like he wants it a little bit more than he maybe did at Burnham. So, yeah, hopefully. I think, I think sometimes it dawns on players, that kind of thing doesn't. And I think it is. It's, I think, a year and a half ago, COVID times, he was one of the, the hotter properties in the Scottish Premiership. And then, oh, they, yeah, it's funny how the world turns, isn't it? But um, it's funny, like you know, last time we played, I'm, I was listening back to the review show after the game as well. And I was using phrases like, it feels different this time. <laughs> um, feels exactly the same funnily enough but we're in third, fourth whatever it may be as it speaks we're, we're currently managerless we've lost 6-0 at Bolton 2-1 to the bottom of the league Doncaster and we've just completely duffed it against Cheltenham again this evening um, I always find one of the most interesting things to ask on these shows is the opinion on Sunderland and the, the situation but it's particularly interesting at the moment because Johnson being sacked, taking a bit of time to get a manager, losing games, basically duffing automatic promotion again. What have you made of it all, Lee, from the outside looking in? Uh, it's, it's, it's quite mad for me, to be fair, because obviously, as you said, we're fourth in, you're fourth in the league. Uh, I did say when we spoke previously, if Stuart wasn't scoring, who would score your goals? Uh, I said, would that be a worry of yours? And you said it weren't too much because you'd, you'd have got like, uh, goals coming from everywhere, but it just does look like that if he doesn't score, you don't really win many games. I don't know how true that is. As I said, I've only watched a few Sunderland games and, and you seem to be shipping goals for, for fun at the moment, which is good for us. But yeah, it's a straight... I, I, Manager-wise, I, Sunderland's a massive club, absolutely huge for League One. I don't get why you're looking to maybe go back to someone like Roy Keane, who's not been in 
in charge of a team from managers wise for ages. If you hear anything about Roy Key, I know he done well at something, but anything about him, it's not positive regards to teams he's managed previously, man management wise as well. I don't know why you're not looking to get uh, a, an up and coming young manager uh, and try and get someone to come in and who, who can do a job long term as well. It can't be a, a, a cheap fix, I don't think, for Sunderland. But Lee, I did. I n- never thought Lee Johnson would be that man either. I think he went there because he saw the the stars and the, he thought he'd be a hero up there. And his ego was probably too big for even Sunderland. Not going to disagree. Some fans might, but I'm going to 100 agree with that. I was not a fan. Um, it's funny because Roy Keane for me I had reservations, and now I'm like, you know what? Let's get him in because he was so great. The standards have slipped so so far down, and I think I feel like we've done the young manager things. I feel like we've done every manager, and it hasn't really worked. But I think if it wasn't Keane, it seems like it would be Alex Neil or Grant McCann. I'll be honest with you, not for me either of them. But from an outside say- in. I was going to say Grant McCann. Done a br- he's done a brilliant job at Hull. Uh, you know what I mean? He got him promoted. He, he had some good players down there. He got, uh, got Longman, who was on loan at Wimbledon last year. He's brilliant. He'd be the one who's out of work currently, who I'd be thinking, right, he's going to come in and actually give the players a rocket. He'll do it his way. He's been at big clubs before. Uh, and yeah, he's the one that I'd be looking at if I, if I was a Sunderland fan, thinking, right, who can we get this out of work? Alex Neil, not for me. Uh, I'd struggle with that one. It's funny, I, I'm like the opposite end with Grant McCann. I think I described the other day, what did I say? I didn't feel like he could ignite a fart with a lighter, which I thought I was quite impressed with, but to be honest, in my own phrase. <laughs> but, but I think I think for Sunderland, I mean, by the time this goes out, he might be appointed, Grant McCann might be appointed, someone else completely we don't know might be. I, I think there will be a manager in by Saturday, but um, you've probably seen the fan base from outside looking in because Sunderland are quite active on Twitter. Sunderland Twitter is the best and worst thing on the planet. Um, I think everyone wants Roy Keane. Do you think there's an, because of the name and because all the Sunderland fans want him that if we did appoint him a Cano and Alex Neil, it could go backwards, not because of the quality of the manager, but maybe the fan reaction because of the fan power. Do you think that's the thing that possibly is bigger at Sunderland? Than- it's always going to be like that, though, for a massive club like Sunderland where the fans, do you know what I mean, have that power and stuff. But I, don't, I just don't get, I know Roy Keane done well previously for you but and I think Roy Keane's brilliant as a pundit I really enjoy listening to him because I know he, he has rows with Carragher and stuff like that and it's always fun to watch but from what you hear from ex-players and stuff he, he isn't great man manager and you don't want I know you want someone to come in and give him that rocket but if he does it in the wrong way it could flip sides totally and they just and, and unfortunately but and this is what I hate about modern football is players have so much power nowadays that if they stop playing, there's not much really you can do. Look at, you had like again, Rotherham had Will Grigg today. And I'm thinking, oh, like he, he, he paid for the, the, the scumbags. Uh, but then I was thinking, well, he did play for Sunderland, didn't do anything, spent fortunes on him, but didn't fancy it. So that was it. And then he's, he's gone off to another club and he's, yeah, it's just... Players have too much power in football nowadays and it riles me right up because it never used to be like that. And the only good thing I think you lot have now is you've got Jermaine Defoe there. If, he, if you get the Jermaine Defoe that was at Rangers recently, do you know what I mean? And I think part of their success was that they had someone like Jermaine Defoe around the place, keeping the players' feet on the ground, having someone to talk to like that if you're going through a bit of bad form. I think that's a, a very wise move to get him in a mentor uh, around and if he comes on and he gets one chance he's going to score a goal uh, hopefully it won't be on Saturday 
fingers crossed it does. I'm dying to see Jermaine Defoe back. I'm not going to lie, no offence, Lee, but um, <laughs> he's, he's had 10 minutes here or there. I mean, we were 2-0 down by the time he came on on Saturday. I'll be honest, it was a damn squib. Um, and tonight he came on, one chance, difficult to get on, but came on far too late, came on when we were 2-1 down. You bring Jermaine Defoe to win the game, not to grab a point in Cheltenham. Um, if any Sunderland coaching staff are listening to that. Um, one thing I've never asked before on a preview show, and I feel like this re- I really should. I know there's a select set of fans that had 80-odd loyalty points that could go at this game, which I'm a little bit sad about. It was actually in Budapest anyway, but I might cancel it just to go up Tower Lane regardless. But best pubs for away fans before the game, where, where are the best places to go at Tower Lane? Uh, there's not many, to be fair. Uh, unfortunately, there's because uh, of how it is situated. It's so uh, there's a lot of home fans, uh, home pubs. Uh, mm. I think there's there's a couple of pubs in Ellsfield. Uh, what's it called? The, I think it's the Ellsfield. So near the Ellsfield train station, there's a pub there as you come out. Uh, you lot are going to be very very shocked when you come down because it ain't cheap. It's like seven eight pound a pint. So, yeah, remortgage your houses and stuff and come down with a bit of money because it ain't, it literally isn't cheap. It, it is a, uh, it's a nightmare for, for guys who are in the clubs who are used to paying three, four pound a pint. Yeah, it's like double that down in Wimbledon. But there's not many pubs. The only other one would maybe be the Alex in Wimbledon. That's again, there's a lot of home fans in there, but they do take away, away fans. Your best bet is probably to drink in London. And then get the train down to Wimbledon because, as I said, because of Plough Lane and where it is situated, it, it's literally all home fan pubs and they've got bouncers who check tickets and obviously the accents are going to be totally different. So, yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a Cockney something fan, then you're going to get away with it and you'll be all right. That's, so if you yeah, are listening, say. just go wherever you want. Um, <laughs> last question as always, Lee. Um, I know we're both very sad about our football team at the moment, but this is our commitment to the podcast cause, isn't it? That we still do it, even though both teams are shite. Um, <laughs> I'll give you my prediction first, and this probably sums up how I'm feeling. I fancy Wimbledon 3-1, got to be honest. Um, I'm feeling very... I mean, my change of Roy Keane comes in. Yeah, that might be different because I feel if they come in losing at any point during the game, players might be decapitated. Um, obviously not literally. I don't mean that literally for people listening. Um, but I feel like it might, there might be a bit of a rocket up the arse and hopefully this manager in and whoever it may be can get something out of them. But the way I currently feel, I feel like something going into the abyss. So I'm going to say 3-1. But where are you going, Lee? What's your prediction? Oh, oh I hope you're right. I hope you're right, Graham. Uh <laughs> It's a tough one for me because if you do get a new manager in, there's there could be that new manager bounce. Depends mm-hmm. on obviously when you get a new manager in. If it's if it's like soon, what's day? Which Wednesday? So yeah, it's not gonna. I don't think it make too much difference actually. I think there'll be goals in the game. I think it'll be two all, or maybe we might nick it to go three two. Uh, I'm hoping so, but it's such a tough one because I think you could nick it three two as well, and you could you could go away three one as well because we're so poor. We are, we're not a great side. I think it's 12 now without a win. So, yeah, you've got to be looking at this game and thinking this is where we pick up three points to get our promotion push back on track. But I'm going to go, I'll, I'll say 3-2 Wimbledon. Both, both of us in Wimbledon scoring three goals and something getting beat. Jesus. Um, <laughs> Lee, as always, good to chat, mate. Um, thanks for coming yeah. on as late as you have done and um, fitting things in between my holidays. So it's appreciated. If people want to hear the Wimbledon perspective after the game or, or next week in the aftermath of it, where can they find you? 
Uh, be the Wombles at a dream on Twitter, uh, Wombles Dream on uh, what is it, Facebook, and yeah, you can find us on all Spotify and all them uh, for the podcast. Uh, yeah, at the moment, it hasn't been the uh, liveliest positive podcast, but Same. we we've got so many gripes at the moment with the club off and on the pitch. But yeah, hopefully, we just need a win. And I'm guessing you're the same as well. One win, and you can be positive, and it's it's a t- like this one compared to the previous one that we did, it'd be totally, we're like down and, but the other one, we were both upbeat because we were playing work at the start. Yeah, it's just football's mad. It just... week is a long time in football, isn't it? I think that's the phrase. A week is a long time. (laughs) Jesus. So we'll see where we're at on Saturday. But as I said, Lee, thanks so much for joining me, mate. Always appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, enjoy your holiday, Graham. I'll try my best.